Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's December 12th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis sitting right next to me. Same room together. You lucky dog. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Get you that free seven-day trial to our projection system, which almost took us to a live final last night. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, DFSR.com slash deals. Get you started. It's free for seven days and then just $24.95 a month. After you get started, uh, about the best deal you're going to find in the business, Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, or excuse me, NBA, this is the NBA podcast, NBA, NFL, NHL as well, premium chat, premium content. It's all covered under one subscription package, so go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, I got I rolled into your place around midnight last night. It's true. Logged into FanDuel. It's true. Was winning the live final qualifier. It's to, true. To go, <laughs> to, go uh, to the FanDuel, was winning by about four points. Needed Siakam to just not do anything else. Siakam, last second assist to Van Vliet, and they pull him in the blowout, and I lose by .8 points to, to take out of the live final. Um, you saw my, you had already gone to bed. You see my text in the morning. How did you feel? Because I'll tell you how I felt, but I want to know how you felt. I was hoping for a stat correction. I was thinking that when it comes to assists, sometimes, you know, they're like, wasn't the right guy. You know, the scorer's table gets a little fuzzy on things. Maybe they don't recognize the backups, and they give it a guy, but... It didn't work out that way. I will say that, that 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 lineup that almost gets there was just our top, our number three overall lineup at lineup lock. Uh, it had some like offbeat plays because we didn't have Kawhi news last night, which made things very tough. Uh, NBA, mm. NBA injury reporting continues to be a hassle because the Raptors definitely knew Kawhi was going to sit out that game. Uh, he's not played a back-to-back. You could have made a reasonable assumption that he wasn't going to play, but he's still only listed questionable till about an hour before the game, which I think is... A moderate joke, and we don't probably need to Well, he wasn't on a back-to-back yesterday. He's on a back-to-back today. He's never played any... He's never played both ends of a back-to-back, and they play the Warriors today. Oh, so so, you're saying they just made the decision yesterday to sit him because he was going to play the Warriors today. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And it it was like... I was... I was 75% sure he was going to sit, and he just can't make the assumption. Anyway, that lineup, though, that almost gets there. Uh, Ganondorf ended up up winning it, but um, it was was FanDuel 3. And it just had some nice plays in it. So anyway, that's the kind of huh. stuff you can expect if you sign up for the system. All right, we're going to talk, and it's going to take me probably the most of the day to get over that. All right, um, <laughs> we're going to break down a big Wednesday in basketball. A bunch of games here, some primetime key matchups, definitely some injury news hanging out there that we're going to address. Some stuff we already know already, which is going to has started to crystallize this slate, but we'll go through game by game and break down like what we can expect from a pretty big Wednesday in basketball. Milwaukee goes in and plays... The Pacers, there's two pieces of injury news here. The first is Giannis, who was, I mean, not to go to total tilt town here, but Giannis was ruled out after lock the other day with a neck issue. No, yeah, but he says his neck is fine now. I'm totally fine now. Yeah. Not even on the injury report <laughs> going into that game. We had him in catch. He was under own that, that, that game. Um, and he gets ruled out after lock. Now he's totally fine, so he's going to play. And then Oladipo could come back from the knee, the knee issue that's been causing him problems. And I would actually, if I was a Pacer fan, be a little concerned about this knee issue because this has been when you just have knee soreness um, that just is lingering, I, and it's like not kind of getting better, but it's like pain management. Thing. Well, as a former elite athlete who had chronic knee soreness myself, oh. uh, 
I was wondering where the once you started with the elite athlete thing, I was wondering where the rest was going. Yeah, but okay, well, I get that. maybe you didn't know about the Heightstown High School, just perennial cross uh, cross country champions in Mercer County in New Jersey. But I was on those teams. <laughs> Interesting. We could talk later. You about know where those you teams? Yeah. yeah, those those late late nineties uh, cross country teams. Anyway, I was on those teams, and I wound up with some chronic knee soreness that lasted me about five years, and just like no real diagnosis other than you know cartilage softening, all stuff that you can't fix so i'm with i'm with oladipo here i'm hoping for a better outcome from him as a promising young athlete like i was i don't think I, uh... we can rely too much on oladipo's <laughs> minutes even if you were to play here um i think they'd right mostly he just comes up the works and i think this game we could probably spare ourselves a little time on this game just by saying if oladipo's back it probably just kills everybody and like even guys that have been pretty good like bojan and, and people like that in the interim I don't think you're going to be able to trust anyone because even if he's out there for 25 or 28 minutes, that's going to screw everyone up. Uh, and likewise with Giannis, you're just going to probably want news. Although if he came out and said he's fine, he's probably playing. I will say right now, uh, we have the Milwaukee on the over. They're at 109 implied points right now. Um, we have him a slight over, and I have it fully adjusted for when Giannis is back on the court. So that means big downgrades to guys like Middleton, guys like Brogdon. Yep. Uh, Bledsoe, doesn't, yeah, Bledsoe sees about a 5% usage downgrade. And that even with all this in mind, we still have them. So if you have time to get on the 109 over, I think you could make a reasonably safe bet. And I think that I wonder if it's adjusted down a little bit. I, I'll just say too that we're going to look it up. I'll look it up. I don't have time. I'm not going to get there in time here. But I don't believe the net rating for the Pacers changes all that much with Oladipo on the court, uh, specifically from the defensive end. Oh, that's right. Because I remember like the bets weren't changing that much when he went down in the first place. Like uh, as far as on our side too, the lines. The, the scoring, the scoring and the defense. He's a great player, and they definitely need him. And there's no qu- question he makes the team better. But from a net rating standpoint, uh, there's not a significant. Uh, mo- I don't believe there's a significant movement for Olivo on or off the court. Brooklyn goes in and plays Philly. Philly seven point favorite. The big news we already have here: Jimmy Butler has already been ruled out for this game. So I, we are left with. I mean, the, the two. When I was writing up picks last night, which I thankfully started before I started sweating down that uh, final, and then just went to bed. Uh, the two easiest guys for me to write up were Simmons and Embiid. Uh, yeah. Just Simmons, the price is down a little bit, just because he, has to, from a statistical standpoint, it's not like he's been bad. He just hasn't really made. I think you know sometimes people want to translate season over season improvements, especially for guys that are rookies, and that just doesn't always happen. Like uh, so, you know, this has been a case with like with Donovan Mitchell to some degree, um, and it's definitely the case with Simmons as well. well. Especially in key areas, like I, you know, you can recall even like Michael Carter Williams. People are like, he's shown flashes. He's getting into the lane, folks. And mm-hmm. like, just imagine when he starts hitting those mid-range jumpers. It's like, well, what if he just never does? <laughs> then he'll just be like the same kind of crappy, poorly shooting guy that can't stay on the court. And that's not that Simmons is crappy by any means. Simmons is, is he's just the same guy. But... The thing is, he's just the same guy. So I think when right. you're looking at him last year and he comes out and it kind of takes the world by storm as a rookie and he's putting up a 16, eight and eight, uh, you think to yourself, Oh, he's doing a 16, eight and eight as a rookie. Yeah, what's he going to do in his second year? And what he's going to do in his second year is a 15, nine and eight. Uh, he's just the, on the same <laughs> amount of minutes. He's just, is the same right. guy. Now that being said with Butler off the court, you do get increased time with him on ball, and I think that's the most that's the most important thing. Usage upgrade for him too, but time on ball for him goes up, and then you get Embiid, who just now gets the very best matchup. Well, they both NBA. do. Yeah, yeah, they're both in an excellent spot here. Well, Embiid especially because of the centers thing. I, like the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Brooklyn has just no chance of defending him here. I mean, do you see these two guys as must plays here in cash? Uh, well, I don't. I don't ever use anyone as a must play, but I do think that both. I think Embiid. I would be pretty bummed to try to submit a lineup that didn't have him beat in it in particular. I think Simmons is a fine play. The thing I'm actually a little bit more interested in here is your take on where the rest of the minutes go from Butler because this would be akin to if like Covington and Sarge were both out early in the season. Now, Butler has replaced a lot of those Covington minutes, but 
and you know they've gotten Wilson Chandler and you know he's in there uh, playing minutes he's like in those can play a lot of minutes can not really do much but do we, should we give him a big upgrade like he played 37 minutes against Detroit should we put Chandler at mid 30s minutes is he a cash game play as well or if not him where else do these minutes go yeah, Chandler is definitely uh, a candidate for more minutes I think Redick is a candidate for more minutes I, I, my guess is Landry Schmidt starts he started the second half for Butler the other Say day no more um, he's coming at the minimums like you're not going to get a lot of usage out of him he, he's going to need to knock down threes I think this is mostly just going to be Embiid's Embiid's game just he just gets fed the ball. Shamit's a guy that can just definitely stand around on the court and do a lot of nothing. By the way, Wilson Chandler's kind of the same way. I, like these guys, when you well, don't don't put Landry Shamit in the same category as Wilson Chandler. But prior to last game, he had gone forty nine minutes, so basically an entire NBA game, and scored ten fantasy points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I, I don't think this is. It's not you know, it's not a he guy that one be, rebound in that time. By the way, he was on the court for forty nine straight minutes in an NBA game and grabbed as many rebounds as you would. Yeah, Chandler. So. I guess I, I I take that back. I guess Chandler has been rebounding a little bit better than I, I will say. One thing, last thing about the Philly side here. Oh, well, two things. One, uh, Embiid last time he played Brooklyn went for thirty two and twelve. So <laughs> and the price is kind of down because he had the injury yeah. and then he didn't play that many minutes last game after the migraines. So um, you're getting him at a ridiculous discount for for the matchup he's getting. Butler also. You know, you, you, you free up minutes, but you don't really free up usage. Like, Butler's usage rate when, when he shared the court with Embiid was like 18, not like 18% or something like that. Well, that's why really, I'm going to hesitate really well. on, on just jamming Simmons in there. And it's not so clear to me that Simmons will see as profound an upgrade as maybe most people picture when, you know, you kind of have two combo guards running things and one of them goes down. I just don't know that Simmons will be all that big of a beneficiary. Mostly what I'm just interested in him is like low 9,000s price on FanDuel and, that, and I think a reasonably safe 37 minutes just because yeah, they're yeah. just going to have him on the court more as like a, as the ball handler more anyway. No argument. Uh, I think that, so anyway, Embiid, most likely a heavy chalk play. I think Simmons will probably be a chalk play as well. Um, and then you're I think you're rolling the dice on the, on the secondary kind of guys. If they just did decide to start someone crazy outside of Shemet, I, we could maybe consider giving them a, a big bump in minutes and I'm not totally wanting to be there i think on either i really i don't want to be on the rest of these guys with the usage concerns on uh on, on being simmons specifically uh brooklyn side I, i'm I, 30 minutes for each of these guys or less i don't really know what else you do at this point philly is also a very good defensive team so you're not really yeah, getting brooklyn, away you just wait for injuries and if you don't have any then you don't play them yep all right moving into seven o'clock uh the third seven o'clock game boston goes in and plays washington the injury news that we've mostly cleared away here is that Kyrie. So Boston sat a lot of like I, I take about. There's some injury news we cleared away and some we haven't. So Boston basically sat everyone last game. Kyrie, Horford, uh, Aaron Baines all sat. They played the B team against the Pelicans and blew them out. Uh, so okay, good on you. And that now it looks like Kyrie is going to be back, but uh, Horford and Hayward and Baines are all questionable to doubtful. And Horford actually may have already just been ruled out. So what do we want to do here? Let's start on the Boston side. There's injury stuff on the Washington side as well. But our system really likes Kyrie in this matchup to start. Uh, there's no Without having Horford and Baines there, I think that does improve him. Daniel Thies uh, got to start last game but didn't play a ton of minutes. They brought in Robert Williams and played him off the He's bench. probably still tired from the previous game. <laughs> yeah, we did the, the, he had the best ever points per dollar DraftKings best ever points per dollar performance on DraftKings of the last three years that I looked up, which was like 18 and a half X for these. But then he barely played against uh, New Orleans. Start here on the Boston side. How comfortable would you feel if these was still in the starting lineup? Would you want to run him out there on FanDuel? Do you like Kyrie in this matchup? John Wall is back. His defense is bad. Um, what are your thoughts here? I could play Thies. I'm not a huge believer in Kyrie. Uh, I, I've seen him crop up as a cash game play on other sites and just like in other people's lineups and stuff. And, 
you really got to hope for the best with Kyrie. I mean, to say nothing of the performance, but just the minutes themselves, 22, 30, 34, 27, 31, like you just, nothing is guaranteed on the Celtics in terms of minutes, except for when big opportunities opened up by other people specifically sitting out. And so Kyrie's a good player. He's expensive. Washington's like a fine matchup, but he's not a guy I would like go out of my way to prioritize or anything like that. So I think I, I would, I just as soon do better if I can. Yeah, uh, I'm just double checking this uh, this Horford news because I could have. Sw- I don't see him anywhere on this. So I'm, I'm I'm a little confused. I'll, ch- I'll he's check. a game time decision. Oh, sorry, I was I was looking at the wrong list. Okay, yeah, he's questionable. I actually don't. If I were to guess right now, I don't think Horford's gonna play. Like the the new the injury news that's coming out of the Celtics on him, just mean it sounds like they can't manage it. They don't know exactly what's wrong. Like he's yeah. just generally he's been very bad this year too. Like I think he's been playing injured up until this point. Uh, sure. Like their their net rating gets dramatically better with him off the court, uh, which is just something to consider on the Boston side right now. That has not always been the case, but he's been so, so bad. He's like been one of the worst players this year in terms of net rating. So uh, that's not a huge defensive downgrade for them to lose uh, Horford. I think we're going to have to wait on the starting lineup decisions uh, and know what we're kind of getting here, but that's something we'll monitor going into lock. And I think there will be some value on the Celtics. I'm just not exactly sure what where it is yet. And then on the Wizards side, we get John Wall back. Um, he sat out last game, and that you know that obviously opens up things for Rivers and uh, Beal, Sadaransky. But Wall is going to play. But Otto Porter is questionable. If we got, if we got an Otto, every every system in the world, if Kelly Oubre enters the starting lineup, um, wants to just play Kelly Oubre, and we've just seen many times where Kelly Oubre chalk in the starting lineup just doesn't work out the way it's going to. If we got news that he was going to start. Would you go back down the well, or have we just seen enough of a track record? I would definitely play him. I would play him. I think the plan usually is for him to play 30-plus minutes. He's gone 6x plus on this price, even as not a starter recently. Uh, Boston's about the worst possible matchup. That's one thing that I would be somewhat concerned about here. Uh, This season, Boston playing a bottom-seven pace, with, and they're the only team in the league. I'm sorry, Oklahoma City. They and Oklahoma City are the only teams in the league with an under a sub-100 defensive efficiency rating, so that's excellent. And, uh, yeah, so I guess on the Wizards side, Oubre would be the only guy I would consider, but I would play him if he were starting. Yep, I think we'll have to wait on that, and uh, it's not guaranteed that he starts. Uh, they have other options, especially at small four. They've actually even run, like, Sadaransky at the four because they move uh, – excuse me, Sadaransky at the three because they move Porter to the four at times. They could start Markeith Mar- Morris at the four. You just don't know. Like, this yeah, is a team, the team in flux, and they've been fine going very small at that power forward position because, again, that's where – Otto Porter is labeled as a small forward, but he's been basically playing power forward uh, this season. Um, anything else to like about this game? I mean, does that pretty much sum it up? I feel like there's there's going to be value here, but I'm, I think we're going to have to kind of wait on news to totally get there. Yeah, I think the the Celtics' names are what you're going to keep an eye out for here. And on the Washington side, Ubre's the only guy I'll consider. Detroit goes in and plays Charlotte. Detroit is a five-and-a-half road underdog. Uh, Charlotte minus five-and-a-half home favorites. We're gonna get. They're gonna get Blake Griffin back. He sat out for rest against the Sixers the other night. Drummond kind of went off, um, and then other news and notes. Luke Kennard got the start last game. That was for like that Glenn Robinson, Stanley Johnson sort of three that they've been mixing and matching. He went completely off. He played a ton of minutes. He shot lights out from three. And then I actually don't mind. I could talk. I could talk a little bit about Drummond. I don't know what your feelings on him. What you, I feel like there's uh, might be stuff I want to play here on the Detroit side. I mean, thoughts on Kennard? Thoughts on Drummond? What do you, What do you like about this game? Yeah, I think Drummond has a mismatch in terms of athleticism in this game against Zeller. If he, you know, if especially, I mean, if Blake is out, just forget about. Well, Blake's it, but, gonna play. So. Oh, so Blake. Okay, so he's listed as a game time decision here, but he's gonna be in there. Um, yeah, I think Drummond's a fine play. I think 
you know, at this price point, Drummond's going to have good and bad games. And I think you want to look at the individual matchup. And I think the matchup with Zeller should be favorable here. Uh, Zeller, you know, he's okay on the offensive end, but he's not exactly the guy that you'd be worried about punishing Drummond and getting him into foul trouble, which is always something we need to keep in mind. Uh, so yeah, for cash games, I could certainly consider it. Um, also keep an eye on the wing situation, I guess. Kennard is not a guy that inspires a lot of great confidence in me. Uh, you know, we've seen him start and we've seen him be chalk and just completely disappear. And right now you have other outstanding issues here, like uh, Bullock, I guess, is doubtful, but not completely ruled out. Stanley Johnson is just kind of nursing the sore knee thing, like you mentioned, Glenn Robinson. So there's certainly a lot of, you know, loose parts missing, 20 minutes here, 18 minutes there, and somebody's got to get those minutes. And Kennard's still somewhat inexpensive, but not a guy I would prioritize or, you know, that makes me want to show up to the slate. This is not a position. This Pistons have not been able to figure this position out for the last it's been two five years. years. Yeah, they just they, have, even when Call, KCP was here, they were barely giving him the ball as a shooting guard. They, just, they, just they don't, don't know care. who they want to play here. It's <laughs> yeah. a, this is a, re, a revolving cast of bums. I mean, Kennard was like a sort of high-ish draft pick at some point. Um, the, this is not this. They just haven't been able to figure out what exactly. It, 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 it's helpful to him that he shot great last game. If they're like just looking for yeah, if they're looking for a solution. Um, Drummond is my, probably my favorite tournament play on the slate. Um, among all players, he is he's going to be perpetually priced down because the minutes are all over the place because of foul trouble because of weird game scripts for he uh for the pistons um but this is a guy last time he played charlotte he put up i just had him he put up 23 points 22 rebounds and Seems some steals, steals and blocks for finished with 66 fantasy points excuse me 67 uh fanduel points he has the 60 to 70 game in him and the reason he's 9,500 is because he also has a 28-minute game in him. So there's um, from if you think Embiid is going to be the chalk, this seems like the easiest pivot to go into Drummond for arguably mm. as much or if not more upside than Embiid when it's all moving. Like when he gets up to 36 or 37 minutes in a great matchup, this is my this is a guy that if I'm running GBPs. I want to be I want to be overweight on Drummond as opposed to Embiid. I think just because of the overall upside. Charlotte, they don't have. A ton of injury. There's really no injury news on the Charlotte side that we need to be concerned with. When that's the case at this point in the DFS season, when you see a completely healthy team, does it? That's basically what they've been running since the beginning of the year. Do you kind of just? I, I do you kind of just know that there's not going to be much value here outside of a great matchup? Yeah, I think the great matchup thing uh, is typically where I land here. I do think someone like Marvin Williams at a really really bad power forward position. If you really had a sense that the plan was for him to play 31 to 32 minutes, he's a guy who you might not cross out of your lineups at 4,800. You know, it's he's a passable option at a generally terrible position. But, yeah, outside of him, the rest of these guys, like, you can just look. They've been playing the same roles all season, basically Lamb, Batum, Walker, and Zeller, and none of them average playing value on their current price point. So that's basically all you need to know. OKC goes in and plays New Orleans and was one of the marquee matchups of the night. Right now, it is coming in as the highest over-under of the slate, and that includes the Golden State-Toronto game. Right, uh, OKC in New Orleans is a 232 over-under, which is uh, four points higher than the next closest game. Uh, let's start with the OKC side. I wrote up Paul George, and I considered I, I, I nodded to Russell Westbrook in this matchup, too. Uh, with these two guys, uh, the long has been the concern with George that he can't sustain maybe an eight, mid eight thousands fantasy price when Westbrook is on the court. And we've also seen two of the last four games where he's been able to, like where this has become very much a two man team. It's uh, it's Westbrook and George. I- I'm coming around on the idea, maybe a little bit too late, because George has been sort of chalky on a couple of these nights, and we've just, we've been off of it. But at 9100 on FanDuel, can you start considering it? The minutes are there. The usage is there. He's put up huge games. This is going to be a fast-paced game. New Orleans is pretty bad on defense as well. 
Yeah, I think you can think about it. Uh, one thing worth noting on that total, uh, and this is, I went to check it because my gut was telling me this based on OKC's defensive stats. We're 10 points under the current listed total. So yep. uh, OKC, New Orleans, 232 total. We have it as a 222 game. And that strikes me as more on the nose. I mean, I, I guess this is for more relevant to the New Orleans side, but OKC has the best defensive efficiency in the NBA this season. So it's be pre- I mean, they play a relatively fast pace. They're a top six pace team, but I think that defensive efficiency is enough of a wet blanket on the New Orleans prospects that I wouldn't be too enthusiastic about running those guys out there. And I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised by the total, and I might try to get a piece of the under there, even though it's always torture to root for the under, but uh, I, I still might go for it. On the OKC side, yeah, I mean, you can play George, I think. Again, he's not... At this price point, he's basically been fine on the course of the season, and you'll take fine on a big slate. If you can get a solid $9,100 payoff, then I think you do it. He's currently showing up in our fourth overall FanDuel lineup, and that could move up if more value presents itself. So, yeah, I, I don't mind, George. Um, you know, New Orleans, part of the reason that we're ducking on, we're ducking in on the under here is they are without Merodich, and he, while, it, while being replaced by Randall, in the starting lineup is good for Randall from a minutes perspective. It's bad from a team perspective in terms of overall scoring points because, um, and the the obvious reason is when you take Meredith out of that, out, it's actually more when you take Randall out of the second unit that you that you uh-huh. run that you run into scoring problems. You do run into start running into scoring problems for for New Orleans because right. now their their main scorers are all concentrated together on the first team, and that's Holiday, Davis, and well, Dave, in order is Davis. Uh, actually, then Randall, then Holiday, uh, in terms of scoring. So if you, that is one of the reasons, because when you take Emirich's minutes and give him to like Solomon Hill and guys like this, Darius Miller, mm-hmm. um, you are going to run into some scoring issues. Uh, now we saw Davis can make up for some of this. He took a million shots last game against Boston in the game that got killed. Uh, he put up a ton of points, and that was confusing why they didn't keep going to him over and over again. But I think this is one of the reasons we're drawing out the under is that we're just you're not replacing enough scoring in the in the lineup. Uh, to get it now. That being said, do you still can we still consider? We know power forward is weak. Can we still consider Davis here paying all the way up for him on a big slate? Sometimes you get enough cheaper options to to kind of get there. Is Davis would Davis warrant? It, okay, I guess put it this way: between Davis and Westbrook, who are both around the same price, um, in terms of overall top upside, is there a guy you feel more comfortable rolling in cash games? Uh probably Westbrook. Although I don't need you. I don't know that you need the help at point guard with Simmons there. Uh, so. You know, again, on the gut check, when I just like hear those two names and I see their prices, I'd rather play Westbrook. But if I'm looking at some of the power forward options that we're getting right now, uh, I mean, heaven forbid we don't get Thies tonight, because if we don't, things start to get really grisly. <laughs> but right. if I'm staring down the barrel of like another Larry Nance night or, you know, something like this, I like Davis's floor. I also think it's worth looking at Davis beyond just like the DVP matchups here, just because he's a really you know, singular talent at the power forward slash sometimes center position. And I feel like Adams would have difficulty tracking him around the outside. And I think just whoever else they would try Jeremy to Jeremy Grant, there. he causes, yeah. he, no, he definitely, Randall being in the starting lineup causes a few more mismatches. Right. But it also creates a slightly worse spacing. It's weird about like what Randall does because Randall's like obviously so good in fantasy. But yeah, my perspective is that they just run out of tall enough guys or athletic mm-hmm. enough guys to cover both. And so, and, and I think Davis benefits there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, OKC plays fast enough 
that I think you can play Davis at this price point again, given that he's essentially averaged value on this price this season. What you like about Davis the most is that he's one of the few candidates to just play 40 minutes in a close game, 40 to 41 minutes. They need him to win. They need to keep winning. They are struggling. They have struggled a little bit in the short term. You know, they're basically trading off wins and losses at this point. Right. And, the, and the loss to Boston is particularly brutal because that should have just been like a schedule win where Boston was sitting everybody and they just yeah. still couldn't pull it off. Davis just, you know, Davis shot 34 times in 38 minutes in that game, went 17 for 34. Uh, 41.7 rebounds. I think, um, again, if you think he pushes to 39, 40 minutes, in a cl- and that, by the way, they were getting killed. So uh, they took they, he lost minutes in the blot near the end of the game. Um, if you think 39 to 40 minutes in a close game is a reality for him, there aren't many other players that are going to have that kind of floor uh, at his price point. And then, but, but by the way, Westbrook's just like a triple-double machine. Now, you mentioned Larry Nance. Let's talk about the Cleveland... Uh, oh, shoot, I just forgot who they played. Uh, Cleveland, New York. Sorry, the, the Knicks in Cleveland. Now, Larry, Tristan Thompson's going to miss the next two to four weeks with a foot injury. They are out of big men, essentially. They don't... Outside of Thompson, They their next closest guy that could even reasonably play defense at the five, and I'm saying reasonable, and that's a stretch, is Nance. Where do we want to go with Nance's minutes here? Because he... They, again, they're just kind of out of big men. Um, they they have Hante Zija. They haven't really want to play him at all. Um, do we do we think we just see like 36, 37 minutes out of Nance at this point because they're just kind of just out of big men? Thompson was playing a ton of minutes for this team, and he's just going to be out now. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I it sure seems like that would be the logical thing to do at any rate. Um, I don't picture like Channing Fry banging around down there. So. That's what I mean. He's not a defensive center. No, like no, he's, yeah. no, he's not even a center, period. Right. So, sure. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think Nance is the heir apparent to that throne. Well, so then this, let's, I have him at 33 minutes right now, 35 That's probably minutes. right. You're pro- Nance is probably a good play tonight. It just makes me sick to have him. <laughs> That's all. He just, I said this in the, in the article that he is going to struggle to always find shots. He's not an offensive player. His, he's going to be looking at putbacks and like maybe the occasional mismatch if they can get him into one. Uh, and that's really going to be it on this team. When you have Alec Burks, Jordan Clarkson, right. uh, Colin Sexton, these guys on the on the Rodney Hood, Lance is just going to be the, the sixth option on offense. So uh, you're just not looking at a situation where uh, I just, you're not looking at an advantageous situation from a usage perspective. But if 35 minutes is going to get there, the defensive stats and the rebounds could be. Uh, what about New York? Uh, we've just seen the minutes come and go for the starters. And Sisson's never seen a day where it didn't want to play Noah Vonley, mostly because power forward's terrible. Vonley's price stays – guys like Moutier and Vonley's and even Cantor to some degree, the price stay in check because the the Knicks just don't play these guys any kind of reasonable minutes. But, the, I mean, the the Cavs are, are terrible. The Cavs are like one of the worst teams in basketball, basically, like especially from a defensive perspective. And now they have no they have no interior defense at all. If you think the game can stay close, could we consider guys like Moutier, Von, I'm, I'm going to talk Moutier, Moutier, Vonley, and Cantor specifically here. Yeah, so I think with Moutier, you can't trust the minutes from my perspective. I mean, the Brooklyn game, there wasn't really any good reason. I don't recall why he only played 25 minutes in that game. Maybe my memory is... was a blow-up. Was it? Though? Oh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe maybe this is why I couldn't... I don't know, because yeah. I I, 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 my memory is just a little fuzzy on that. That was like four days ago, but uh, we had Moutier. He was a relatively chalk play, and he was awful in one of the better possible matchups. So he's come down in price quite a bit. We played him around 6,000 and so did like 30% of the field. And now he's down to 5,100 and arguably a better matchup, at least a similar matchup. So yeah, I mean, if it comes down to it and Moody is in there, I think you can live with it, but I'd be looking long and hard at trying to find other options 
at similar price points. Um, I'd rather play Colin Sexton, for instance, just because I think the minutes are safer and the matchup is just as good. So. I, I don't mind them from a tournament perspective here, specifically Cantor on the offensive yeah, rebound. Tournament. I, by the way, all phenomenal plays on tournaments. Yeah, Cantor uh, really could just put up a lot of boards here. Um, he's a guy that wants to get offensive rebounds anyway, and mm-hmm. um, knowing the Thompson, who that, ta- that leaves a lot of rebounds on the table getting Thompson out of there. Uh, both those games, the last two games for the Knicks, they look closer, like 12, 10 to 12 point wins, but there were, there were furious Knicks comebacks in the end that really cut. They were losing right. by 20 in the fourth quarter, so I would call them I would call them blowouts, and that's why they lost the minutes. All right, let's keep trucking along. Portland goes in and plays Memphis at the risk of just getting this podcast to be too long. Is there anything to talk about from a, on a huge slate for Portland and Memphis? Nah, two teams that mostly play the same number of minutes every single night. And going from the Portland to Memphis side, you just have a ridiculously bad matchup. Uh, Memphis very slowest team in the league with a top five defensive efficiency so don't really want to go there uh portland uh bottom 11 pace so just a kind of a generically unattractive matchup some slight issues on the defensive end but nothing that's going to inspire you to play a memphis team where the two actual really good players are too expensive and the rest of the guys are kind of a revolving door of opportunity or too high pricing or you know just a a bunch of mismatched options so all right, a game that does have a lot of fantasy relevance, though, uh, at least on one side of the ball, and maybe maybe a couple guys on the other side, is a 223 over-under on the Atlanta and Dallas game. Dallas, nine-point favorites. Atlanta, at this point, is just basically the best team you want to play in DFS. They play the very fastest pace with, like, the 24th-ranked defensive that's efficiency. Good, yeah. So uh, you're just getting volume, volume, volume whenever you play against Atlanta, and that's becoming mm-hmm. pretty well-known throughout the industry at this point. So we should look at Dallas and say, oh, you know who do not, not not if we want to play Dallas, but who we want to play for it, play in this team, especially because Dennis Smith is going to miss the game again. That has not opened up more minutes for JJ Barea. It has gotten Jalen Brunson into the starting lineup, but with basically just he's the two guard and Doncic is like running the is running the point. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, like, give me you know we can talk about Brunson. I have my concerns, even though the, the recent game log looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Yeah, that's what I just pulled seven up. Seven for nine, I mean, seven for nine, seven for nine shooting. I, like, this is, and it's... And they're getting him good shots, dude. That's, that's where almost all of his points are coming from, too. That's He's my like concern. He's like a Steph Curry type. Well, so when you see a guy, that clearly he <laughs> simply cannot keep running this hot from, from yeah. the field. Um, when you see something like that, he's still coming cheap. The points have been there. I mean, he's that. He, we could talk about him. We could talk about Donkers. Like, there was some some weirdness in his game log. He's clearly taken over the team in terms of like on the offensive end. His his usage stays the same with Smith off the court, but his assists actually go up um, in that query. And then we guys like Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Jordan. How close do you think you, these guys get to you for cash games, knowing how good of a matchup this is? Yeah, you can definitely play Donkic. Uh, he's a guy that I've always been hesitant about just because I think most people's baseline projections on him are just stuff they made up because <laughs> this is his first season. So He might I, be better. <laughs> like, than with, with uh, not, He hasn't been so far based on what I've seen from preseason projections and just average fantasy points per game. He's basically been in the mid-7,000s since the word go this season, and he has never consistently paid that price. Now, Smith being out of the lineup might open up enough opportunity to where you can kind of squint and see it a little bit. I don't think he's a must-play or anything, but definitely a playable option, again, at a relatively weak position. Uh, I guess I would be fine with Brunson. I think you can. You have to understand that you might be signing yourself up to get a little bit burned here. I Like you said, I, I don't know that the shot keeps falling at the same rate, but you could find room for you know another rebound or two. He's been reasonably solid in terms of providing defensive stats out of the starting lineup, too, so... I don't know. I, I don't hate Brunson. I, again, not a reason to go out and play the slate, but in the best possible matchup against a team that plays fast and badly, I don't mind it. And then outside of that, you know, unfortunately the Mavs are another team. Like Barnes, this guy's been 6,000 for feels like 15 years. And 
It's never mattered. And it's always a question. You just need to default to like 5,300. Yeah. This guy just lives on the DFS margins, especially on Wesley Fable. Matthews, like, same guy. You right. know, like, and they sometimes they'll show up and like really put up a big game for you. Uh, West Matt has not benefited whatsoever uh, from increased minutes to go around. And the power forward and center situation, like just not really for me. So that's uh, that's my general take. Not as excited as I normally am against a team playing Atlanta. It's just Dallas. It's hard. It's hard. These guys, the other thing with Dallas and the other problem too is from a DFS perspective is we talked about this with a couple other guys is that they're, none of them are candidates to play like 37 minutes except for maybe Barnes. Like they're just... Dallas just plays doesn't play more than thirty four minutes. Like they yep. just they have a very deep bench and the bench is very good. When you bring in guys like Lieber and Berea, uh, Dwight Powell, off De- even Devin Harris to some degree, off the bench, you don't need to run your starters as many minutes. And this is why they're also a nine point favorites. Our system actually likes them covering the nine. I'd be a little worried because I'd be worried on the back end of the uh, of, of the Hawks coming back. I did write up Kent Bazemore. He has taken over for Terry and Prince in the small forward position. He's been pretty good from a fantasy perspective and this guy can break your heart on a night to night basis especially if he's just throwing up bricks from three so uh tread lightly with uh, with Bazemore I understand why our projection is high in him and he would be a guy I'd be worried about playing in cash Miami goes in and plays Utah again at the risk of going long Uh, this is by far excuse me the second lowest over under because that Portland Memphis is 205 uh this one's 210 the only guy I could even reasonably draw out is I don't mind Bam still sort of if he's playing for Whiteside and I understand it's a terrible matchup <laughs> and it's mostly just because power forward's a joke I mean what do you think about him he's been very good with Whiteside out of the lineup yeah the price just goes up a thousand dollars a night on Bam and that's mostly what has me concerned I think you know when he was playing 32 minutes like in that Phoenix game I was feeling pretty good about it he's basically kind of slowly lost a minute or two here and there he played just 28 against LA and he still got there on this price point uh, that was a much better matchup than this is against one of the teams with the best interior defense in all of the NBA. And uh, I also think if Bam is out there, he's you know he's listed as a power forward, but I think a lot of people's DVP will mislead them here. And I think Bam winds up drawing Rudy Gobert, and I, and I don't know that that's a lineup where you or a spot where you want to jam him in at his highest ever price point. Yep, 6,500 is, and it's such a slow pace. And again, it's just a testament to how bad the power forward position is yeah. that we're even mentioning him. I don't think if we had any reasonable, uh, if we had a reasonable position eligibility kind of thing going here, which, by the way, it was it was great when Bam was a power forward at first, and now it's just kind of, now the only reason you're discussing him is because he remains that yeah, way. Yeah. Two more games to go. Minnesota, these are the 10 o'clock games. Minnesota goes in and plays Sacramento. This one's got a pretty big total, too. 228 with a thin spread. Minnesota, two and a half point road favorites over the Kings. Uh, another two, two other teams that have been relatively healthy in the short term, or really, excuse me, for the most of the season, they, their rotations have not changed all that much. I mean, when Minnesota's healthy, that is, you know, obviously if you get, yeah. uh, if you get a Robert they had Covington, a big trade, you know, yeah, but... if you get Robert Covington ruled out at the last second, you get their Rose starting. I, that that makes a difference, but Covington is probable to play here. Uh, I want when I see tolls like this, I know there's gonna be a lot of points put up. Is there? Can you talk yourself into cash games at value, or are you kind of just looking more maybe like a tournament stack? hoping the game stays close yeah it's interesting that you brought up Covington because I think he would be the best play in this game if you could rest assured that he was actually going to play his high minutes now Tibbs in the past has been one of the biggest perpetrators of oh you're injured why don't you sit oh now you're back from one game 39 minutes yeah (laughs) so maybe if you can believe in that narrative for Covington uh you know he averages paying this production and I think it's a positive matchup with whoever he draws on the other end, whether it's Bogdanovich uh, or you know even Bagley or Heal, it just doesn't really matter on the Sacramento side. I think he should be able to get his longer range shots and should be able to chip in on the boards and on the defensive end too. Uh, so yeah, I like Covington. 
I think the other guys, you know, you're looking at mostly players who are pretty efficiently priced. Uh, Towns, he's 9,700. He averages 43 fantasy points. You're yep. just not going to play him unless all of the stars are aligning. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, not in a dissimilar field here either, uh, averaging less than 5x points per dollar. Willie Cauley-Stein, 31 points on a 7K salary. Yeah, you're just not, there's just not really a lot to sink your teeth into on either of these teams on any given night except for in the best possible matchups or when injury opens up opportunity. That, that's it. These guys these teams are very very definitions of when an, when a guy goes down, then we're going to jam in the, the newfound starter. Because yeah, because, think, because tons of minutes get opened up, yes, right? Like yeah. if Covington goes down, that's 38 minutes to pass around. Yep. So. And that's, and this, we, yeah. As of like you know this morning, 10 o'clock Eastern, we don't have anything to reasonably yeah. assume that that's going to happen. Final game, the marquee matchup of the night, 10-30. Toronto goes in and plays Golden yeah. State. Golden State back to full health. Draymond came back the other day, looked great. Um, so they are back to full steam ahead on the Warriors. Any worry about the Warriors has kind of been started to be put to rest. Uh, and then we have Toronto, who obviously sits Kawhi on the front end of the back-to-back. I think we can all agree that he was listed questionable only because the team needed to say something ahead of the game to not just rule him out 20 minutes before. My guess is he plays here. Um, big over. Warriors getting fully healthy. Warriors prices haven't really come down. Uh, and these are just two great teams. Is, is this one that you want to get it from the DFS perspective or maybe just like tune in to watch? Yeah, I think it's probably more of a tune in to watch game for me. Uh, I think Kawhi is kind of interesting here. Uh, it's gonna He's going to have to exert max effort to survive this game, uh, tracking Durant around. It'll be interesting to see how involved he is on the offensive side here. He's always been, I think, fine against Golden State, but... You know, you just never know against this Golden State team. They can also just run up the score on you and blow you out of the gym. So I think, and I think on the Golden State side, they're just too efficiently priced and Toronto is too good of a defense for me to be too interested on that side. But yeah, in Toronto, it seems like there ought to be some value here. And I just don't know if I'm seeing it just yet. Well, Kawhi went off on them last time, 37-8-3. That game did go to overtime and he and Durant were basically trading blows. But remember, Curry was not playing that game. No, Curry and Draymond were not playing that game. And Golden State still took Toronto to overtime in it uh again Kawhi was able to match Durant from a scoring perspective and it just makes a total difference when everyone's healthy because you have to you have to exert a lot more effort on the golden on defense on the golden state when everyone's around rather and they than left just, him out there for 39 minutes in the in the regular time what's it called before overtime regulation regulation there, there it's the regular time this guy's not an expert for nothing folks yeah. <laughs> i'm tired buddy <laughs> you showed up late and stayed up to greet you, you know? okay all right we're gonna get out of here dfsr.com is the site dfsr.com slash deals will get you started go on over and check out the site you hop in you get that seven day free trial you go right over to the chat room and just ask people uh how they're enjoying the dfsr experience you will get an honest opinion about it and that honest opinion is going to be positive and we think you're going to be around for the long haul so go check that out it's optimal as for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NFL, NHL, premium content, and that premium chat. You can go talk sports all evening long to your heart's content. Buddy, I will talk to, well, I'm going to talk to you as soon as we start. You're going to talk to me all day. Because we're going to just hang out all day and just talk and complain about stuff all day. I'm Eat bacon. To it. Oh, oh, maybe. All right, buddy. Talk to you in one second. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. 